Lady A lawsuit, Billboard chart changes, and Migos suing their lawyer. That's showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode seven of That Showbiz Baby podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin. Welcome, welcome. What's Colin. going on, buddy? Yeah, I'm drained today. I know you are. You are hardworking. Uh, sorry for this episode coming out at, you know, a day later than usual. Uh, me and Joe both actually had some industry stuff to deal with on both yeah. sides. So we just kind of, we had a lot of stuff uh, planned for this podcast and we didn't want to cut it short and try to put it on a Monday. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do it Tuesday. So we thought we got to bring this on Wednesday. Yep. Um, if you want more updates about our podcast and when it's coming out, uh, when new episodes are coming out and anything and everything, you can follow us on our socials. We have our Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and always email us with uh, questions, concerns, and anything you want to at that that showbiz baby podcast at gmail.com. Wow. That was beautiful. Call. I know. <laughs> I know the radio, uh, gods would really appreciate me right now. Yeah. It was clean. only, it was like not 2020 and no one was driving their cars. <laughs> <laughs> then the talent of my radio voice could be used. Oh yeah. Um, like I was saying, we got a jam packed episode today with everyone's favorite in the music industry lawsuits. Ooh. Um, I'm, we're just going to start off right with, uh, the big ticket item that's been th- th- you know, flowing all around the yeah. Everybody listening knows about everybody this. knows what we're going to talk about. We're talking about Lady A, which one, and why that's becoming a problem. Uh, so, if you listen to one of our previous podcasts, we talked about Lady Antebellum, and Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A, or as we like to call Lady Abolitionist. Uh, not, <laughs> not really. Uh, so uh, they changed their name to Lady A, and we also mentioned that another musician was going by the name Lady A for years in her whole career, and there might be some problems going with that. Well, the problems have arise. Um, so on July 8th, the band has filed a lawsuit against the singer Lady A, and we'll get into that, but just why I tell the story, I'm going to call the band, which is formerly known as Lady Antebellum, the band, and Lady A, who's been using it for most of her career as the singer, and so I don't say Lady A nine times and you don't know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, which so, already it's a problem, which right. is why this lawsuit <laughs> Which is why this lawsuit is coming about. So the band said... Uh, in their July 8th statement that today we are sad to share that our sincere hope to join together with Anita White, who's the singer, in unity and common purpose has ended. The band claims the singer and her team wanted $10 million from the band, which the singer confirmed later, and wanted to and wanted to go to court to affirm their right to continue to use the name Lady A, a trademark they have held for many years. Um, so I kind of went out and talked to some of our industry friends about this case because it's been a while since I've learned about trademark law and stuff. Uh, shout out to Nathaniel. If you're listening, thank you for your help. And, uh, he put me over to the trademark database. So I started looking up like what lady a entertainment, uh, owns. Um, ironically, they filed a trademark under uh, retail souvenir and music store services on June 9th, 2020. And if you don't know how uh, 
trademarks work, you have to file for the purpose you're using the trademark for. For example, the one I just said about souvenirs and music store services. But other than that, in 2020, they also have filings in live entertainment, clothing, and music recordings, and they were filed in 2010, and all of their trademarks are still live today, still used, technically still protected by the United States government, and they were all registered. Uh, the live entertainment one was in 2011, and the 20, uh, in 2013, the clothing and music uh, recordings were also registered. Um, to summarize the lawsuit, the lawsuit claims that prior to 2020, the band had used the name on their music and videos, live performance and merchandise, and that uh, the singer had not challenged their use, uh, why they used it nationally or internationally. Uh, the band claims, quote, we may never even, we, we have never entertained the idea that she also shouldn't be able to use that name, Lady A, and never will. Today's action lawsuit doesn't change that. So that's their side. Um, and so let's go to Anita White, who is the singer, Lady A, and let's hear about her. She did an article with Vulture, and um, she has been using the, the actual name Lady A, according to her, since 1987, Oof. which is impressive. Um, and I'm pretty she, sure that's before half the members were born. Ha- <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and so she claimed that on June 15th, the first interaction between the band and the singer occurred, which was four days after the band made their statement about changing their name. And the band repeatedly asked her to take a photo on sh- social media to show, quote, moving forward with positive solutions and common ground, which is always great when you mm. reach out first and it's like, hey, can we use you for social media? And yeah. then... Uh, they also wanted to record a song with the singer and document the process, like documentary style with cameras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the singer acting like mm-hmm, they it's, were friends the so, whole time. Yeah. So the singer yeah. claims that the band didn't really show any concern on her position as an independent artist. And then the first two weeks of negotiation, she felt there would be no compromise. So moving to June 30th, uh, they got the first contract sent out of, sent over to her, which she claims had no substance. Joe, you're going to love this one. It would allow them to coexist. They would both use the name Lady A, but the band would promote the singer on social media exposure. And the singer suggested a compromise instead where the band would be going by the name, the band Lady A or Lady A, the band and anything basically like that. And then she would go by the name lady, a the artist, but they did not want to do that at all because I guess it would probably be a nightmare marketing. Um, so she has affirmed, like I was saying that she wanted $10 million from the band. She says she wanted the money to rebrand and also to donate to black lives matter charities of her choice, 5 million for the rebranding and 5 million for the charities. Uh, and which is a noble cause. And I think personally, before we get into it, that it's not that crazy. Uh, she's already cited that she's having trouble with, uh, putting stuff on streaming services. Uh, and she even had trouble verifying her own name on distro kid because of the band's name change. So it's clearly already affecting her. And, um, basically she said, if the band, formerly known as Lady Annabellum, was going to vow to support black lives, Lady A says. She was going to hold them to it. So the singer has received lawyers pro bono who specialize in intellectual property to go against this lawsuit. 
And I'll leave you this, uh, which is Lady A, uh, the singer, important, <laughs> uh, direct quote. And she says, I was quiet for two weeks because I was trying to believe that it was going to be okay and that they would realize that it would be easier just to change their name or pay me for the name. $5 million is nothing, and I'm actually worth more than that, regardless of what they think. But here we go again with another white person trying to take something from a black person, even though they say they're trying to help. If you want to be an advocate or an ally, you help those who you're oppressing, and that might require you to give up something because I'm not going to be erased. Um, as I was talking to some people, if if you go to our first link, uh, which is from the Lady A side, that actually provides the document of their lawsuit if you want to read it yourself. And they kind of, they want something, uh, basically they want the entire right to use the trademark. And they, as I was told by some other people I was talking to who are kind of more lawyers, it's kind of the purpose of it is to squash any of her future lawsuits that she could have mm-hmm. about having the name. So that's pretty much it. Uh, all the way out as of today, um, it's very messy. <laughs> it's very messy up to the point where you even get confused. Who am I talking about? The band or the singer? Um, so, first off, Joe, I'm going to ask you this: Do you think they could have compromised either uh, with the social media aspect uh, one or the ten million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you know what? I think, um, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, ten million is is very high mm-hmm. if like even for a rebranding even mm-hmm. for a name um but the thing is she has the right to ask for that because she has the name first so this is where it kind of gets weird and i've been trying to look this up about and we can get into who maybe we think could win in this court battle um but well i it depends who's <laughs> has the best lawyers right and, and also i think too in terms of yeah, if you have it already trademarked, like your chance of winning is a bit more. So but I've so let's get into that. Actually, I've seen some kind of precedent from what I've been reading that it's possible for her to win based on if she can prove that she's been using it, and the trademark the singer has before, before the trademark, the trademark yeah. existed. Uh, and there's also, if you guys don't know, trademarks are specifically designed to prevent uh, consumer confusion. And as you all know, this is very confusing, which is why there's a lawsuit about it. Yep. So there's kind of an element here, other than the federal recognition, there's also the geographical element of it because she's from Washington, the singer. Mm-hmm. So she may have the lay of the land of like Lady A and maybe Washington, but maybe federally, she might not have that protection and that would maybe go towards more of the streaming aspect and stuff like that. And so this is where it's going to get really dicey because I've seen precedent where people win based on not having an active trademark with the government because they did it before the other person did. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the power of having a registered trademark is extremely powerful uh, because the process is so litigious and stuff like that, especially it takes you, a long time, especially if you go to a court and somebody explains like how they registered it and how long it takes and how you have to prove that you're still using it and all this kind of stuff to like a courtroom or a judge. I mean, that's a lot of evidence that like, Hey, why didn't you, you know, 
register this trademark before if you're so valued in it to the singer, for instance, if I was the hypothetical like devil's advocate for the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's super messy. Uh, the, on the $10 million one, I mean, well, I'm fi- okay. The charity part I'm fine with because I, I feel like, okay, if you're going to stick it to them, if they're going to literally steal, like if I'm the artist, I'd yeah, be they're like, going to have to pay for my it. name from like, I've been using it since 1987. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, that's 33 years. So if you're stealing something that literally your music career is based off of, I'm at least going to get something good out of it. I mean, $5 million to black lives matter organizations and other black charities and stuff like that, I think is a great cause. And then I, I don't think you can really dispute that in terms of like, Oh, this is illegitimate or something like that. You may be able to dispute like the $5 million for rebranding. Like you were saying, um, which is like, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to change a name and even, even to trademark a name and and stuff like that. But I will say, I don't think she is actually wanting $10 million. I think she wants them to work with them. Well, that, I mean, that's a high mark. And then when you're, when you're negotiating, you go down, blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, either one of two things happened. That's her starting mark. And she wanted to negotiate. Um, and the band was like, band obviously doesn't give a shit. And, uh, you know, went public with everything. Or um, when they came at her with the, oh, we'll give you the exposure. <laughs> she so was funny. insulted, rightfully so. And then came out with the, well, fine. You're just going to have to pay me $10 million if you really want it. Right. She clearly, like as she said before, she knew that like they're not going to budge on yeah. the name. So and it was like, you're going to have to buy me out. And how it seems like they were treating her in terms of her interview, like oh, what yeah. she stated very... before. I mean, they, they don't give a crap about her. Or it seems like the Black Lives Matter movement. So they yeah. just care about being relevant. She seemed, I mean, I, I can't speak for the band and how they feel about life. Sorry, like, I'm getting like, a little preachy. Right. No, it's <laughs> okay. Back. But like, I'm just saying, I can't speak for how they feel politically or stuff and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I definitely feel like from her perspective that for them, she seemed like a prop. You yeah. know what I mean? To just be like, oh, look at us. We're on the, you know, progressive country music. Yeah, and notice how it's before anything's set in stone. Right. Which is, uh, I feel like it's manipulative in terms of if you're actually, if you're doing business with anybody, social media is a business. It's a business thing that you agree on with another party in a lot of cases, especially if you're on a business account or something like that. So if you're doing anything business related before you have a contract signed, before you have an agreement, like, of course it's, it's sleazy. And then it, you know, the things, the, the rules start to muddy and then they're like, Oh, well we already did this stuff together. It would look so bad on you if you backed out now, you know what I mean? Right. It's almost like leverage. Exactly. And also I just feel, yeah, because I guarantee you if she like, let's say you did the post and did the song with them, then every, they're going to band's going to be like, well, she's just trying to extort money from us. We I want to see her career. Yeah. I want to see what the documentary cut would have been. Oh my God. Cause you think, do you think they would have met her before or the day of the documentary? Cause it's probably day of. Damn. Yeah. Like I, I guarantee you they would have been, it would have been two. It would have been her 
uh, the singer texting the agent going like, hey, where am I going? Where am I meeting? And he would have been here, 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 here. And then they would have showed up around the corner like, oh, hey. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, for me, I think that um, it, if I was her, it's very insulting. It seems like, oh, we are already in a, you know, we're, we're already, you have to remember that this controversy of them being named Lady Antebellum is not entirely away yet. It is very early. Yeah. So like, they're not away from that. And essentially, instead of being like in this circumstance of like, Oh man, we messed up. We got to change our name. Oh no, this other lady has it. And just being like, Hey, we need to work together to figure out how this is going. They just immediately were like, what can we get out of this lady since we're in trouble for offending black people already? Yeah. And I'm just like, how can we use her for our agenda? And I'm just like, I cannot believe that, I, it just seems I, I one I I'm just shocked that they would use this woman as like a I you know I'm not shocked but like I'll say this it is very it gives a very bad taste in my mouth to use this woman as a you know token black person to just be like we're cool with you know everyone of all races because mm-hmm. that's what they're doing it's not right and like I feel like purposely the thing I want to know personally is do like when did they bail out of this compromise thing and just were like, okay, we're going to sue. Was there a conversation of like, Hey, I want 10 million. And then like, they were like, well, I don't know. That seems kind of high or something. And then, you know, the, uh, the girl was like, well, I think it's good for this reason and this reason. And then they immediately went to lawyers or was there actually like even a conversation of like, how about we give 5 million to charity and you get 3 million for your branding or something. How big is singer lady a? Did you look at her? So at her numbers, I haven't looked at her streaming. She has her albums. She's been performing since 1987. I've confirmed that she's been, on the west coast a lot but she does a lot in memphis and stuff like that she travels she's a traveling musician and i think her earliest album is in 2010 though as like a solo musician so like so that's her first like release right so like i know maybe i get where you're going with this because well i'm thinking like in terms of she's obviously not as popular um and that's it, just in terms of like the numbers, it seems right. like and That's like from people you know? who have heard of like even if before this thing, if you said Lady A to people, they would think Lady Antebellum. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, like, that's why, uh, you know, so I, you think I think like maybe... it's like a bigger band versus like let's try to snub out this smaller person, right? It seems and use like... our stardom to. It seems like this person is just a roadblock to our success, as opposed to like we've come across this and you've been using this for years. Let's work this out, you know? Yeah. And, and that's entitlement. Right. That's, what that's called. entitlement. <laughs> and I like the, it's just very much rubs me off the, you know, wrong way in terms of like thinking about how they're trying to use her as a prop, especially in the beginning and the leverage argument. I didn't even think about in terms of like, if they actually got her to do that before they did any, you know, a, agreements. Or I think, anything. I think the main thing is, you know, in terms of, we don't really know exactly what the timeline is of like when things have right. happened. It just seems like everything's kind of thrown out at the same time. So it's hard for us to, I guess, get an accurate timeline. But it does seem, at least in terms of how it's being reported, it seems like that was... Okay, I will say this, which is important to note. The band's lawsuit is specifically about the trademark. 
They they are not going for, and they've specified this in the lawsuit, they're not going for anything monetarily, which, I mean, like, other than the value of the trademark, well, obviously. Well, yeah, but that's where you get the monetary values from the trademark. Right. right, but I've seen some misreporting, just if you guys have seen it, because some people have gone, like, Lady A's going after, you know, this woman uh, for, like, money, and I'm like, well, they're going after the value of the trademark. The lawyer fees are real, though, so, like, they are definitely causing a financial burden on her. Thankfully, she has some pro, pro bono attorneys, you know, to help her out they're with this helping. lawsuit. I mean, like, if I was just a regular artist who wasn't super famous, I mean, this is like... Or this didn't get this much immediate right, attention. This is, like, bankruptable, you know, potential if I was, like, as big as, you know, uh, the singer Lady A. This is, like, bankruptable because the lawyer fees are not cheap. And yeah. obviously, you're going to fight to tooth and nail to keep your thing that you've gone for almost thir- 33 years as, you know what I mean? Do you think they're going to keep this... And do you think they're going to go through arbitration or actually through the court? So that's going to be interesting. Um, they applied in Nashville and I mean, I don't, I don't think she, uh, the singer lady, I don't know if she has any like stake in Nashville. So I don't know if they would go to maybe some arbitration or something like that. I mean, this may be for instance, okay, look, let's think about it from the Vans perspective, even though I think they're, you know, not being very, Nice. I mean, that's the best thing to say. <laughs> and so uh, they have a $10 million against them. They're literally like, we have to pay this woman $10 million, supposedly. Again, I still want to know if there was some interaction or some negotiation past that point. But let's just pretend like uh, the singer was like, you owe me $10 million and I'm not moving. So they went, okay, what if we did the lawsuit for the trademark and we had to pay the lawyers, you know, way less than $10 million. And then that got forced into like, you're saying some arbitration or we just won the case. That's way less than $10 million, you know? So this might be a tactic in their negotiation to just be like, see, we want to settle this fast because if you keep doing this, then we're just going to keep going. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, I, I am just grateful for these lawyers that stepped up for her because that's, Good, good for them. I mean, like, they seem I mean, like great it, people. It benefits them, too, because, I mean, this is high profile. Right. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you're right, completely. I mean, so. this isn't like this isn't like helping someone you'll never see ever, you know what I mean? Uh, I, you know, like, I have the, I'll give the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of lawyers who do pro bono stuff, like, do it, you know, it, right. for a good but thing you sometimes. Can't, you can't ignore that aspect of it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so She had a higher chance of getting that than someone... So I, it's going to be very interesting to see where this lands. Um, I don't... I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if this could get more than $10 million. That would be very ironic if Lady A had to pay $10 million plus dollars in lawyer fees. Dam- like, is there any damages fees? or like? No, there want. isn't. No, there isn't like any like cost of lawyers. It's or only for like some sort of... You can put physical that, injury. Well, or, no, no, no. You can put that in a lawsuit. You can say like we're also suing for the cost of the lawyers. Like if you yeah. sued someone, but they're not. They're literally suing just for the trademark. And I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it might honestly be a negotiation tactic to, and so they can get this done real fast. And so, hey, you want to keep it out of the courts? Here you go. You know what I mean? Let's arbitrate right now yeah. and stuff like that. Um yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely rough. Uh, Lady A 
saga will continue on. We'll see if it gets updated anytime soon. I mean, they're, it's going to be a coronavirus saga yeah. next to the Lady A saga. I'm just going to have like a credits roll of like the entire deposition come up on the side of our website, you know? <laughs> um, so what's the other high profile lawsuit that you've been looking at, Joe? Well, Migos is suing their old talent lawyer over excessive fees and conflicts of interest. So, okay. Uh, Migos are suing their lawyer, Damon Grants, uh, Granderson, for taking excessive fees that were not dis- uh, disclosed in a written agreement uh, prior. So, like, when they first signed to him. Um, their current attorney, Bri- current attorney, Brian Friedman, put out a statement saying that uh, Granderson was working with the group since early into their career, uh, signing them when they were, like, in their late teens and early 20s and coaxed them into signing a one-sided deal with Quality Control Music, a higher-priority client for Granderson. Okay. Granderson uh, also negotiated a 2018 amendment uh, to the exclusive label agreement between QCM and Capitol Rec- Records, which triggered an extension of the exclusive... Uh, sorry. That's of okay. the exclusive recording agreement between... QCM and Migos. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry if your ears are exploding. No, around. it's all right. Baby. We love it. <laughs> uh, in the ter- in these terms, there is a clause that will require Migos to render services directly to Capital if the band ended its relationship with QCM. The agreement was drafted in a way that would financially uh, desensitize uh, it from doing so. Yeah, thanks, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Friedman stated, Granderson effectively prevented his other client, Migos, from ever being free of paying excessive compensation to QCM, forever being signed to any other record label, and forever obtaining negotiating leverage to secure reasonable terms in connection with the distribution of its musical recordings. So a lot lot of breakdown, uh, basically. Um, They're also suing him for malpractice um and he apparently according to them practiced law in california um for five years before actually getting uh his certification for it so (laughs) what yeah so Uh. i'm thinking that they uh they're probably gonna uh wipe the floor with them it seems like i mean and the license thing is super bad. I mean, well, yeah, I mean that's that's a huge conflict of right. interest. So you have this man had no license and was doing it, and then like, well, that and the the QCM thing. Oh, of for course. Me. I mean that too. I mean it's just more of like they should he, never even sign to them. He is providing more. It, it seems like his own character is providing more evidence for them than like <laughs> the yeah. case in a lot of ways. Um, he has not put out a statement. Late teens. Surpri- is that like, was they, were they over 18 or were they minors? Um, they were, I think they were over 18 okay. um, or just turned 18. I was just curious because I know there's a lot of, you know, lawyers and stuff that can argue if you were signed as a minor or something like that, that you get out of a record contract that way. And stuff yeah, like that. I mean, also when you're a minor, you have to have a guardian with you right. doing it like legally or else it's not standing. Apparently this guy screwed up contracts too. Like, all the time. Yeah. And, like, uh, I guess that's why they fired him. And then they went back when, once this new lawyer came. And, you know, they were looking. And I bet the the new guy was like, um, this looks weird. <laughs> and then started talking to them about how they were going to fix it. And then realized, oh, yeah, he's screwing you out of money. So Yeah, I mean, they just deadlocked these poor guys into, like, this contract. It's clearly... 
You know, I mean, there's no way it's like, okay, would you like to break this contract and also break your bank account? You know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, we hear about these stories all the time in the, in the music industry of, you know, uh, the artists getting signed to the bad deals and stuff like that. And what's even worse in this case is that your lawyer is supposed to protect you from that. But when it's your lawyer doing it, that's right. a huge issue because then it's like, okay, not only is he screwing you, he's probably screwing you with every other agreement you have with everyone else. <laughs> Joe, would you like some representation? Hi, I'm Colin record la- label executive. <laughs> I can also represent you for a record label. <laughs> like what? No, I have a record label right here. They're also a client. Don't worry. I'll get you the best deal. You know, that's, that's what that. Yeah. I mean, early. they could, I mean, I, I see it's, it's very bad in this case because like usually it's something like, Oh, you owe money or you owe albums to the record label. That's why you can't get out. Or they, and they like want to prove your album or they won't do something until you do this or, you know what I mean? And stuff like this. Yeah. I was like, this is just pure money. Like literally like to get out, it's like, you're going to have to pay all this money mm-hmm. just to get out. And I was like, on that front, it's just pure debt. It's yeah. not even just like, oh, I got to go back in the studio and redo this song because the record label doesn't like it. It's literally like, you better have the cash, boy, or you're just going to like, you know, just die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the it's, and I'm sure it's like an insane amount of money. I couldn't imagine of being, a, you know, I, me also being a small boy. I couldn't imagine in 18 being like, okay, I owe you this many zeros if i decide to leave all right that'll be in the future i'll never want that you know exactly so well uh, and then too when you're starting out you're like everyone who comes into contact with you you're like immediately oh this person's gonna be around forever and that's not the case you know (laughs) like when you get older farther into your career people moving in and out and you know you you drop some people uh for better people sometimes i that sounds harsh but that's just kind of the truth of it this guy probably isn't only doing this to them i bet i mean i'm sure oh, there's exactly. some other and people that are going to join in and be like we would also like to sue yeah. you know we also want to see what the hell's going on so, um but yeah it, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out um it is definitely a story that's updating through time um or as time progresses and uh we'll see i guess what happens there um, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit more cut and dry than Lady A, but very scary <laughs> nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's talk about CBS. Yeah, so uh, CBS and the NAACP Inc. sprawling content partnership deal. Um, we pulled this from Billboard. Uh, CBS uh, has signed a wide-ranging content partnership with NAACP, which includes a multi-year agreement to produce scripted, unscripted, and documentary content for linear and streaming platforms. The deal also allows CBS and NAACP to supply the content to other third-party vendors such as Netflix and Amazon. The stated goal is to produce content amplifying creatives who are black, indigenous, and people of color and hope uh, and hopes that the writers will become uh, comprised of at least 40 percent uh, of black, indigenous, and people of color um, from uh, to 50 percent from 2021 to 2022. So those are the people working behind the scenes, okay. basically. Yeah, all right. Um, CBS has made strides to increase diversity after it made headlines four years ago for seeming for a seeming lack thereof um, with their projects from 2016 to 2017. And they got pretty blasted in the media during that time. But since then, even um, 
apparently even before the Black Lives Matter movement, they have been making strides to this. I think the Black Lives Matter movement was kind of the catalyst and they finally... Yeah, put it together. Yeah. I mean, this third party thing is very interesting. It's very interesting. And then uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, in terms of who gets the ownership. That's what I'm wondering, actually. Because, like, I don't know if it's going to be like a 50-50 split. Or, I'm sure like, there's some split going on if they're not it, saying it. And to be honest, it seems like the NAACP is acting almost like an agency or or right. some or like a studio, I guess. I mean, from CBS's angle, the... The NAAA, I always struggle. NAACP, yeah. NAACP, uh, I like it. It's a it's a branding and a marketing move at the same time as it is to include markets that are traditionally not uh, encountered, you know, because yeah. they don't make content for them. So at the same time uh, that they are doing this, they're also trying to move towards these markets that they've pretty much ignore it because they're just like we'll go for all the white moms you know mm -hmm. and so they're gonna see if this can turn out very well for them but i think it will from both a you know in terms of business obviously a marketing perspective and also just financially because there is a market of people that are just completely underrepresented uh, uh underrepresented in you know hollywood and movies and stuff like that and also in tv so mm -hmm. well not only in it but in in the writer's rooms Right. I mean, and then I think that is important other than just like the moral of having people that have experienced this write about it. But I also think it'll improve the content in terms of like, it's going to be so much more accuracy. Interesting. You know well, what I mean? That too. But I, I, I feel like it's going to be a lot more interesting. I think it'll know? be interesting too. I mean, there's a bunch of writers obviously that don't get to be on it because of their skin color and it's bull. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm completely for this. I think it'd be very interesting to see some shows from perspectives that don't get on television a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very the streaming thing too. I think even more so they might even take some of the shows and not. Right. Even and I hope that like this goes to the NAACP in some way, like in the split of money and that can be used to like fund lawsuits and fun, you know, cause they yeah. do all that lawyer, you know, work too and all that work with communities and stuff like that. So, I mean, why not? I mean, it seems like a great win for the NAACP in terms of, you know, a direct funding other than relying on donations and pro bono and stuff like that. I mean, that. CBS too, man, like, because, you know. Right. Let's but be like, real. When, we, when have we seen CBS do something crazy, you know, right. in terms of content, like a well, show? Well, they're getting pretty desperate, so, like, <laughs> as... Well, that's the thing, though. Like, something like this could actually take a step for them to where they can push out something yeah, new. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone talks about, like, you know, like the HBOs of the world and stuff like that. No one's like, oh, did you see that new CBS show? Do you no. see? <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like I've seen 8 million cop shows on CBS, but that's about it. Yeah. Right. And know? so, like, I think I think it's going to work out well for both of them. And I'm glad that it's going to include a lot more people that don't get included. And hopefully we'll get money into the NAACP for really good projects. So, yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like a win-win all around, and I hope the content's really good. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, we got some Hamilton news, huh? Yeah, we can talk about Hamilton. If we're, and so Hamilton hit number two on the Billboard 200 and is the horror, wow is the highest charting <laughs> cast album since 1969. We're having a rough time. Yeah, just so um, just so everyone's aware, it is. Uh, it's like almost nine o'clock, and we're we're dead tired. So. Uh, basically Hamilton had previous, this is the weird part about the charts. If you want to know why I kind of picked the story out Hamilton before, cause I mean, Hamilton came out like four or five years ago at this point and 
and October 17th, 2015. And so it literally was at number 14 at the highest peak, but then because of the Disney plus thing has come back to number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, the last cast recording to be in the top two was hair. If you don't know the age of Aquarius song, that's what that musical is. Um, and I have no idea. You never heard of that song (laughs) age of Aquarius. It's it's a big song from that musical. Anyway, it's, uh, it was number one hair was for 13 weeks, which was really impressive too. Um, in 1969, but now Hamilton is the, highest char- highest charting album since then from a from a cast so some other notable mentions in there was that it spent 250 weeks on the chart hmm. since it arrived october 17th 2015 um Damn. it has had the slowest climb to a top two position ever in terms of weeks uh, what I mean by that is it stayed on the chart and then climbed all the way up to two. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in terms of years, if you're curious, is Tom Petty because Tom Petty was actually on it in 1993 and then the chart went down from Tom Petty's greatest hits. And then when he died in 2017, it went back to number two. Yeah. Um, so that's by years. Uh, it had the largest week by units for a cast album with 102,000 equivalent album units. And then um, it sold 32,000 albums in the week of July 9th, uh, right as the Disney Plus uh, viewing came out. And then it almost came close to the 37,000 albums it sold in Christmas of 2016. Um, If you want to know, Hamilton has the highest week album sales of a traditional cast recording, which is impressive because to sell an album, it's just impressive nowadays. But then if you're going non-traditional, and this is a weird thing, by 38,000 albums, this non-traditional cast recording had the highest week ever, and it was Springsteen on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> and I was That like, is not what I pictured. Did not expect that, <laughs> did you, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, Hamilton is just killing it again, um, killing it in performance and also killing it on the charts. Yeah. Um, so it's doing really well, and... Uh, it's great if you haven't listened to it yet, but I mean, I still haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I would watch I need it. To watch it's it. It's pre- it's pretty worth it. Um, steal someone's Disney Plus if you haven't. This is an ad for Hamilton. We just like it. <laughs> not uh, Disney Plus though. <laughs> not Disney Plus. Not Disney Plus. Uh, anyway, uh, we we saw some weird things with the charts going on, and we can talk about that next. Uh, Billboard has announced some new chart rules. Ooh. Um, Shout out to Christy who yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Christy Hoops who sent it to us. It's funny because I was literally researching it, and then Joe turned to me and was like, "Christy sent me this," and I was like, "I'm already reading it." <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, we saw from Billboard there's a change that's going to affect the Billboard 200, the Hot 100, and other album and song charts. And uh, basically, this can also affect some of the charts that have to deal with merch as well. Uh, like the artist 100. So the big change is, is that merch and ticket bundles with albums will no longer count for chart information, which is insane, which is insane because people have been using it since that became a rule. Um, using it and abusing it. Yes. Okay. So the previous rules were this and it was albums bundled with merchandise uh, must be available for purchase concurrently and individually on the same website too. They must, 
as well have a requirement that the merchandise sold on it must be priced lower than the bundles that included the album. And then three, additionally, merchandise slash album bundles could only be sold on an artist's official direct-to-consumer web store and not sold via third parties. So that's what it, what it was before. If you followed all three of those rules and let's say you bought a ticket and it came with a digital album sale, then they would count that as an album buy. Um, so starting this fall, which was a really vague date, so I don't know when this is going to start, but yeah. like, um, these are the new rules. All albums bundled with either merchandise or concert tickets must be promoted as an add on to these purchases in order to be counted on the charts. And two, the single price option along with the merchandise or ticket, uh, with the album costs undisclosed to the consumer will no longer be counted. So, important because like i was saying if you guys have tried to buy concert tickets recently there's been a lot of like you want to buy this shirt and we'll throw in the album with it as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and so now you have to say like hey if you want to buy this ticket or you want to buy this shirt for an additional price you can have the album and then also you also can't have it in a single price option so you have to disclose to the consumer uh, that like this is an additional thing or it will not count. Um, mm. So the other big thing is that Billboard will no longer allow sales of physical albums or singles that are bundled with digital downloads to be reported as digital sales, which I think is even bigger than the actual uh, first story that's the title of the article that Billboard put out. Because basically what was happening was is people would buy... Let's for say, let's say like Taylor Swift. You, well, yeah, let's say you bought Taylor Swift 1985 and you're like, I want to buy the vinyl and the vinyl comes with a CD and like, well, actually, let's not do Taylor Swift because it's new. Let's say like Ariana Grande had like a brand new album okay. and uh, Ariana Grande has this brand new album and she's like, you can pre-order this album and uh, you get the vinyl and you get the actual CD. And let's say that the most of the time, because vinyl takes a lot more time to make rather than the CD, like they'll send you the CD and they'll be like, the vinyl is coming. It's being manufactured. And it's going to ship. It's going to ship over before. What would happen is that when you bought, when you bought the CD bundled with the vinyl, that counts as two album sales. Now it doesn't until they ship it to you. Ooh. Yeah. So like you, what a bunch of artists were doing was that they would be like, hey, we'll throw in the CD with your vinyl. Or a lot of times, they and so they don't have to have the physical uh, cost. They'll be like, you get the digital download. Yeah. So then that's two. And so then that boosts their chart rankings up. And then that's even more advertising for, you know, whatever album you're on. Because you can be like, I'm number two on the Billboard thing. And people are like, I should be listening to the number two, you know. And so that's like literally why it's such a big deal is because like it's free advertising they can use forever. That's factual. So like literally they can be like, this was number three on the album charts, even though it's like number three because one person wanted a CD and they threw in a digital download. Yeah. You know, Um, that's crazy though. I mean, that's insane. They're doing that. And it's just like, I, you know, it's basically, they said in an effort to accurately measure consumer intent, and more accurately reflect the conscious purchasing decisions of the consumer, which I think is pretty on the nail. (laughs) Because if you're buying like a CD and you want the CD and then they throw in the digital download, I didn't buy two CDs. That's Mm -hmm. a very big difference. (laughs) Like if you got the digital download with it and you get the digital download immediately and they haven't sent the CD yet, 
that should still be one until I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I for mean? sure. A hundred percent. Right. Like it, it would just be like a, it would be like if a company like sold you something and then they're like, well, that's one on the books. And you're like, you haven't even given them the fries and the shake they ordered at the steak and shake. <laughs> yeah, they just, like, it's just the guy holding it. Yeah. He's like, oh, you want this? Oh, hold on. Right. You gotta wait. It's just eight days. Yeah, it's it's gonna come in eight days. Uh, and you we're have to gonna, pay shipping. <laughs> we're gonna mark it as you bought it and you paid for it. So that's cool for us. But um, good luck, you know. <laughs> I wonder, um, that might affect a lot of record taking like systems though i think it'll affect a lot of how people try to climb the charts really fast yeah the way bundling works yeah the bundling thing that's that's insane though because like i mean a lot of the time some of these uh in the past like two years especially some of the people who have made it to the top uh you know were very uh questionable or whatever uh like the industry were were calling it out because they were like well they're not actually getting this much attention it's just because they threw in the CD with the ticket and then the people who bought the ticket didn't even know about right. it. Right. I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, who let's think about all the people that own a band tee or want a band tee just because it's fashionable, but they yeah. didn't buy the album. Like, why should have I, you know, if I... Well, most people don't buy the album anymore. Right. So, like, let's say if I bought, you know, I wanted to, I don't know, let's talk about, um, I was about to say Lady A, and I was like, which one? But uh, <laughs> I was like, let's say I bought a Migos sweatshirt because I thought it was dope, you yeah. know? And then they sent me, like, the digital download of the album. I was like, maybe I didn't want to listen to Migos. Maybe I just wanted the merch because it was cool, you know? <laughs> You're going with a easy, easy vibe. Right. I'm going with the easy vibe if anyone <laughs> knows me balling out uh no uh but basically yeah i just i i think it's right on the nail it just shows like consumer interest better and i think it shows i mean i think it's a big deal in this day and age if you say i bought this album like i meant to buy this album that shows that you really support these people you know what i mean and so like if you say that and you're putting on the charts that these people bought this album and they just like bought a shirt <laughs> no yeah. that's not true well that's a lot of uh i will say a lot of the bundling uh is done by um a lot of i guess everybody big does it uh now that i'm thinking but country people do it like crazy oh 100 like it's nuts but i feel like once you hit a certain point i feel like every artist was doing it and it was kind of like the industry standard I think for, because for like a year. I think it was almost a way of curtailing the lack of like of sales. album sales. Yeah, because it was like a way of being like, you know, it's almost like a businessman to their stockholders in the sense of like trying to show them how well they're doing. They're like, all these people bought our album. Look, we're on the chart, and it's like really, it's like no, we just bought a shirt at the concert. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Do you think um, eventually it'll be like you know we're still here where it's like the worth of buying the CD or the album is over the streaming. Do you think it's going to start leveling and so, going more towards streaming? Over, yeah, we've talked over about years? this a little bit. I think that right now in terms of physical stuff, it's a lot about like the look and appearance and like the, like the senses of it, like the feel, the look, the way, even the smell, you know what I mean? Like, wait, wait, like wait. of a new vinyl, <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, or you smell your vinyl? 
I mean, it has a distinctive smell when you <laughs> take it out. I'm learning something new today. It's very tactile. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's about the experience of it. It's like you bought this shirt and it looks dope and it's awesome and everything. Or you bought this vinyl and it's real and new and you can feel the grooves and it's this crazy color and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And I think it's a very fashionable thing right now. Mm-hmm. I think if it becomes not fashionable anymore, then yes, it will go away. Well, but what I'm saying is like the album sales have always been the Billboard standard. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Even so, before the whole fad of like so, vinyl and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's always been the standard just because like it's it's very much how the industry works. I mean, yeah, stre- it, well, it, streaming just didn't work; just wasn't a thing, right? And, and then like also, radio it, too. Was I mean, a if bit. you look at it, it's like streaming is like you know fitting a square in a circular hole. I mean, it's literally like they're just trying to figure out how to, you know, there's this whole uh, calculation they have to do and stuff like this for it to count as an album stream and stuff. They're just trying to fit it into the way it is right now. I think personally that albums, like albums in terms of billboard and how they are important will still be important because some because the capacity for artists to have multiple big songs at the same time i think that's why it will stay as a important standard to look at because if you look at some albums it's like oh this you know like ariana grande it's like oh this song's also big and this song's big and this song's big and like obviously you can look at you know the hot 100 or whatever you know and see like oh her you know, God is a woman song is like way bigger than the others, but it's kind of like, you have to look at that data as a unit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a much bigger deal. I think, I think it's a way better like catalyst and almost like way to compare artists by looking at their album because it shows how people are like, Oh, we're not just in love with this one song. We're in love with a bunch of songs. And that data on like the 200, for example, shows that in a much more straightforward way than you having to go, Oh, she has a number one, a number seven, a number 12 and a 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think that's why it's an important thing that's going to stay, even though, we've seen consumers move away from like the idea of like, this is an album. This is like my completed album. And we've seen a lot of artists being like, I just release songs. Like here's a song, here's a song, here's a song, here's a song. So like we've seen people go away from that, but since albums are still used as a regular format for releasing stuff, I think they're still going to be important. I mean, well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I think we were misunderstanding. I'm not saying the album itself. I'm saying the sale. No, that's why I think the sale is important because the sale is important because it shows the conglomeration of all that data in terms of like, you could have a bunch of very big songs in one album. Yeah. But do you think it's more of just like how much it's worth? Like buying a record is more money and the split is bigger than streaming. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's currently, in my opinion, why, you know, they're still sticking with album sales matter more than streaming does. I could see I could see why you you think that too. And I, I understand I understand that. And I think that's a legitimate way to think about it. But I think it's just more of like the it's like a very important variable to look at as opposed to like 
a single, you know what I mean? And having successful singles. Like it obviously it provides more Okay, monetarily. I see what you're saying now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like it's because more of a data even if you're, issue. Even if you're listening to an album on streaming, it's almost like it's separated. Like the songs are more separate than in terms of like right. calculation. Because I think there's a much bigger deal to people if you have streams of an album and you're able to look at that data like grouped together rather than a single, because there's a much bigger difference between like, oh, I just found this song in my like you know, mix for me, you know, mm-hmm. thing. And then there's a big difference between, I just listen to like six of the same song from the same album. And yeah. It like shows a different level of like success well, in my opinion and then for the artist. Back in the day too. And you know, um, when you wanted to listen to a single, like you, or you listen to the single on the radio, you go to the store, you buy the album and then you're stuck with the 10 right. other songs. And so like that's, and it's just such, I mean, nobody wanted to have 50, 45s. Everyone's like, I'm just going to buy the album because if I probably like one song on here, I probably like exactly. Six but songs. now it's the opposite where it's like, I don't even need to listen to the whole record now. Right. I think, I think it's coming back a little bit because I think when you had the change of having to physically buy things like on iTunes and saying like, I bought a song for a dollar 99. I think that was a really big moment of being like, Oh, people really just want to listen to this song. So they're buying that song. Mm -hmm. But since now streaming, you have the capacity to go, Oh, I want to listen to this artist. And I can also listen to the other parts of the album for free essentially without an extra surcharge other than what you're paying a month for the streaming service. I think that has come back a little bit towards the album's favor in terms of like it being an important analytic to look at in terms of sales. And then also just an important piece of data to look at in streaming numbers and seeing who's concurrently listening to an artist and especially a specific part of an artist's career. Cause I feel like it provides a lot more data you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's you have you have a bigger sampling. You have a bigger well, you have a bigger sampling size, but you can also there's so much of a difference between like the well, whale that actually, is someone the, who listens to seven songs in a row from an album. Yeah, but the more I think about it, we can track people more on streaming, and I feel like you the data itself is more accurate than you know in terms of like which song people are listening to or which you know, thing, which part of the album is getting the most attention. So I guess, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, I I do think it comes down to just like in terms of worth, like if streaming was like $10, like they were paying artists like $10 per album stream, like full album stream. Like, I feel like it would be kind of the same. It would be at the same point, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's not because, you know, artist cuts from streaming is just not good. And even label cuts is, is not as good as uh yeah. as rec or it's buys. Nothing. And so like I feel like, you know, I, I think it's an important statistic because of the way they count in streaming and stuff like that. But if it was literally like you have to go physically buy the whole album, I would be like, eh, it's 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 worth to look at, but it's not as big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well that's the difference though between Billboard and like another chart is not it's not necessarily a popularity contest it's a who made the most money contest right and so that's you know that's a big deal in terms of like you could have the biggest you know song in the world 
But if you have like a fan base that's not willing to buy things from you, such as merchandise or ticket sales, then, then what it, does it matter? It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, there's people that are like, you know, they're they're washed out, but they have dedicated fans and they'll go to the concerts and buy all their merch and the CDs just because they want to support the person, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a much bigger deal. And that's that's kind of why I think the album sales thing is still important because I feel like that's a much better indicator of like who there's a thing in video games and video game marketing where they say like, Oh, this person's a whale because they buy everything. And so they support the company the most and they spend way more money than like a thousand people do because they're the whale. And I think the whale exists also in the music industry. And that's very shown in like album sales Yeah, because that shows like, there are people that are willing to put either a down the direct money to buy an album or they're listening to a whole album. And that shows a lot more commitment in terms to an artist's career and potential financial success in the future, because there's people that are willing to put that much time into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting argument. Uh, I mean, billboard also has like a thousand different charts. I mean, like I've mentioned the artist 100 brings also calculates merch into that. So like, I mean, as we were saying the other day or or the other podcast, everybody goes bananas for data. There's so much of it, though, that you got to stream through it and look and try to make your own hypothesis. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like one of my teachers said, it's like uh, you can be anyone can look at an X-ray. You got to be a doctor to understand it. You know what I mean? So it's a little weird. Uh, Speaking of streaming, let's go to our next topic. We got Amazon Music. Uh, breakthrough program. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joe. Yeah. So, uh, in an article by billboard and music business worldwide, uh, Amazon music has announced an artist program called breakthrough that supports artists with video and audio content, global marketing, increased visibility across Amazon's music platforms and playlists as well. Um, they are, uh, also revealing a global playlist under the source name and a bunch more to, um, the launch artists includes, uh, uh, country singer Gabby Barrett, R&B singer Kiana Lead uh, or Led, uh, grime rapper J1, R&B singer and poet Arlo Parks, folk pop group Fra- Province, and German pop artist Malik Harris. And they are saying that this initiative will be long term, and that more and more artists will be added to the program, so that they shouldn't necessarily because like the announcement was a little bit confusing i didn't realize also that it's literally called breakthrough i thought it was like a breakthrough program (laughs) so what it's basically is if i'm being honest um when i look at this it's very gatekeeping gate gatekeeping ish yeah because these people all have to have representation the streaming numbers all this to even get through on the quote breakthrough right thing um and then also you know it doesn't seem like it's very open to to other people who don't have representation like i said before yeah, i feel like if you have representation it seems like you don't need as much of a breakthrough as a lot of other people need a breakthrough you know what I kind mean? of my point yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit um also i you know um i don't know i i think it's a weird thing because it's like it's almost like expected at this point you know, like, isn't this kind of a, like, Spotify has, like, breakthrough artist playlists and all that stuff, and, like, you don't have to go through uh, a Spotify rep necessarily to get onto them. 
you know they add you i mean there are streaming like promotion agencies and stuff like that and that is definitely a huge thing um and even with uh tracking down personal playlists and getting onto those and like pitching those curators and stuff but i think this amazon music thing is is very it seems very old school it seems almost like it, it that's what i was gonna say it feels like almost like if you're a radio station it was like it feels come like, on down with your record and we'll play it on there if and then like the if only we approve that, it right and <laughs> the only people who are gonna get on there is the guy with the agent who comes through and it's like hey i work for Capitol records you're gonna play this exactly you know I mean? like, that's that's exactly what it felt like to me too um and so I, it's going to be interesting to see if this actually has much of a a hit with it. If I'm being honest, I think Amazon Music's a little hurting. Uh, I mean, it's number three, I think, besides... I guess they're not hurting in terms of, like, other streaming. I think it's very... We don't hear a lot from Amazon Music in, like... They're kind of under the radar a little bit. Yeah, their strength is that they have the backing of Amazon and Jeff Bezos in terms of the capital and all this stuff. But it seems like it's very, you know, I mean, I I don't think it's going out of limb here, but if you're listening to this, have you, you know, do you go around and you go, hey, man, what are you listening on? And they're like, Amazon Music? No. (laughs) It's not not cool. Right. Uh, But you might be listening on, like, your Amazon Echo, but it's not like, it's it's in a different territory. Yeah, than a lot but of streaming. but on that point, in terms of when you said um, that, you know, they they have the power of Amazon behind it of like everything they're selling, you know, um, online and stuff like that. It it kind of is a little disappointing to see something so non like different or like challenging or like anything. This seems so like standard. Right. It seems like there's there's no like chance when with you're, this. when you're there's saying no... breakthrough. I mean, like, and you explained it. I was like, oh, this sounds like you know a very notable like Spotify curator who made a playlist, and that's like a big playlist randomly or something like that. That's what it feels like. It doesn't like they're saying like breakthrough program, and I was like, that's almost like. And if I look at other streaming things like Spotify, and it was like that's like if Spotify was like, oh yeah, our country music 100, uh, we're gonna add people on there that we think should be broken through and it would just be like what are you what are you talking about you know what i mean like if they're on this playlist then then it should already right yeah so it's like that's what it feels like it doesn't feel like a this is a new thing it just feels like i'm just listening to it and it's like oh okay you're adding playlists that people care about you know what i mean Mm -hmm. is that a feature you know in 2020 (laughs) like is that do we need a press release for right i mean it seems and like look i mean i think the difference is though in terms of like playlisting on like a spotify like a like a undercurrents or something like i guess that would be the equivalent of like what this is kind of um is that they're it seems like this is a signing to Amazon for promotion. Yeah. And uh, they get video and audio content, which means they're going to have interview content. They're going to have like BTS content and like all that stuff, you know. Um, and w- it's going to be interesting to see if that has any kind of impact. I know that Spotify too is uh, really trying their best to get into the vid- video world with their stuff. And I did see, uh, did you see that Twin Peaks thing? where the band Twin Peaks, where they had the live Spotify video? Uh, no. Okay, well, they there there was, like, this thing where, like, Spotify did live sessions, but instead of, like, posting to YouTube or something, they had it, like, embedded natively into the On app. On Spotify. Yeah, and it was interesting to see. Um, 
and it, I guess it was like a beta to kind of see like how users would react. But to be honest with you, it seems like most streaming people don't give a crap about video because even with the, uh, what is it? The canvas thing where it's like, it's like the gif. Yeah. It, it, a lot of people turn that off. Right. People get, people, honestly, I've talked to people and a lot of people don't like it. I, think, I, I love I think it, it's but very, some people hate it. I think it's very, like, honestly, other than making fun of it, I think the most interesting part about it is the video content because, like you're saying, I think that it's definitely a realm that streaming is trying to get into because streaming has kind of, like, a social network aspect to it in a lot of ways that they put in. Like you can look at your friend's songs and you can go this. So I think a lot of people think like, why don't we go one step forward and just have like a video on here? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost funny. Cause I look at it and I'm like, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to MySpace as time goes <laughs> on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's strange. I, th- I think this is another, uh, thing of like where everything's kind of getting disjointed again. Yeah. I mean, and, like there's so many different streaming things happening and I think uh, it's like very, it, it just has like a lot of hypocrisy to it. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like, Oh, Amazon oh, we're going to break through these people, break but it's a gatekeeping through. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, see, that's my thing too. Like literally I was like, and again, like it's not just cause it's Amazon. I mean, if Spotify did this, I'd be like, no, if it, well, like, anybody see, did this, Spotify <laughs> has, a, like more risk doing that than Amazon does. Right. Amazon has the money to take a risk and do something different and let actual, you know, like right. I guess break through people without representation stuff on there, but they're not. I just think it. So. I just think it's very strange how like you do you get see, the marketing place on, on the front page of it's a, like if you've been to Amazon Music, it's similar to like iTunes where it has like the top. I just you know you're stuff. just sitting. I, I just feel like all the time the music industry tries to do this thing where they go like, guys, we're gonna make this thing and you're gonna see people you've never seen before, never. And like it's just impossible for me, especially if you're involved or seen anything with the industry, to be, believe that there's not somebody's agent calling them twice a day, being like, "Hey, man, you want to come put my band on here? They're real new." Yeah, and I was like, "No." Uh, it it seems like, which it, to be fair, I mean, there's plenty of small artists who have representation, and that's that's fine. I'm but sure, but these like, artists are like Gabby Barrett's humongous. I just, feel <laughs> she like, had like one of the top selling country records right now. I just feel like, well, in more of like, there's no way to verify if it's like breakthrough or not other than like, Oh, I haven't heard this person before, but I feel like there's so many small artists that like, I, I don't know. It feels like if you're trying to support emerging artists and I don't even know how to do it. Like the only way that I would believe if you were supporting emerging artists is literally if you had like a, like a bunch of pieces of paper and a hat and you literally just were like, okay, we're playing this person's song, you know? Like, I, I guess I, I'm all for some curation, you know, and like dealing with the oh, songs. Oh, I'm all for like, you know, these are songs that remind me of like 80 synthesizers or like, these are like <laughs> old school country or this is like all this kind of stuff. I'm all for like, you what if want, it was a specific synthesizer? <laughs> this is for the Juno 88. Yeah, it's, it literally <laughs> would be, but, or the Voyager anyway, like literally I just, it just seems like, like you're saying, it just seems like a misstep. There's no way to know if these people were, you know. And it not- was confusing, man. Like, I had to reread. I had to get more information from Music Business Worldwide's, like, thing. Right. After reading the Billboard it one. Because it just like, didn't make sense, really. It, like, it, what it was And to quote Cardi doing. B, it just seems like Spotify is making money moves. And, like, going through, you know, they're like, 
doing stuff that I've never seen, you know, exclusive podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And then Amazon's like, hey, we have a curated playlist. <laughs> hey, now. remember radio? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's just like, what are you doing? And I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, may, I might have to do my own research about Amazon music and like the direction it's going and stuff like that. But it just seems very, this whole I thing just, seems very strange. I feel like anything Amazon music is hard. Even yeah. streaming something on Amazon. I've used. Amazon I mean, yeah, I've used the platform. It's a very strange UI. Just and getting app to the and, like, home getting page there and stuff like <laughs> that. They have like it's almost like you're like if you're listening to this. I just feel like I just feel like you're if you read this, you go, huh? It seems like you guys have other problems to deal with, and this isn't like the band aid that's going to make it succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this isn't going to like attract new people. I was like, maybe a, I don't know a price difference or like a UI change would, but like, or like, what really, you know, maybe they should change cut, the name. Yeah. Or a higher cut in royalties or something, you know, yeah. that would be like interesting, but like literally going, I have a curated playlist. Who cares? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I do you think it, Amazon Music would be stronger if there was a name change, um, and, and it was almost like it was like a different URL. It wasn't even hooked in to Amazon. Really, it's almost like a subsidiary. Yes and no. Uh, I feel like because I think a lot of people get confused about I, Amazon Music. I feel like it has a it, it's it's stuck in a weird place because I mean obviously if you're Amazon Music anything the Amazon company does, you also have to deal with in some way. Yeah. So like PR and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have a bunch of people that already have Amazon accounts and you know, if it's just a click away, if well, and that's why it's number three is because it gets paired with a right. bunch of purchases. So like, I feel like in terms of being like, Oh, this is easy to find. Everybody's got an Amazon account. I'll just, what was this Amazon music? I could click on this and find this, you know, like natively instead of like, cause there's a big difference between natively finding something in an app and like forcing, like trying to force someone to be like, I need you to search this app and then find True. it and then install it. True. So, you know, it, it could be one of the things, but it, that is a very fair question. I mean, because like we're looking at, I mean, Amazon also owns audible as well, which is their other, you know, uh, audio platform and audible does very well in their market mm-hmm. and they're owned by Amazon and people know it, but it's not advertised as this is, I mean, it'll this say is like Amazon, right? It, it says like the, it's like powered by Amazon. Like I've seen that logo or like owned by Amazon, but it's not literally the first thing you hear when you hear, hear the name. So well, what if, what if almost audible was the streaming the listening thing and they almost did like spotify where it was like yeah yeah instead of having two different things yeah i think it would be smart i mean and and then they do like spotify where there's like the podcast and the music yeah it's almost like i definitely music i definitely think it's very strange how much they're playing it safe especially amazon who a lot of times does not play it safe so yeah it's it's a very strange uh let's get them to hire us so we can sell that idea right um (laughs) any advertisers amazon uh i will take back all criticism i said if you sponsor it now i won't no i'm still gonna make fun of you but like (laughs) but you know what i mean um yeah all right joe what kind of music you've been listening to um, I've been listening to some eighties. Um, I've been going kind of back in time with my playlists again, uh, and kind of going to my high school, uh, stuff. I've been listening to a lot of spoon, um, and, uh, deer hunter oh, yeah. <laughs> and the cure too. 
So I'm in a gothy mood, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Um, but yeah, what about you? Uh, I always listen to old music, as you know. Um, I know so, you do. You you are the playlist master. And so... You have I, these decades I, I got this really You random, should make these public for like people who want to listen. Oh, on Google Play? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the problem with the Google Play architecture is that you have to invite people to the playlist. Well, just make it then, on Spotify, and then yeah. you can just link it. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really annoying. But like... Uh, I anyway, I've been listening to one. I got really obsessed with the song Real American for some reason, which if you don't know, is the theme song to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and I don't know why. It's just been stuck in my head constantly. It's really sad too, because I was kind of like around it, you know, with all the protests going around and trying to make sure people aren't dying from the coronavirus and stuff like that and wearing their masks. I was like getting into it. I was like, I'm a real American. American. And then like I realized I was like, but Hulk Hogan's a racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the song slaps, but the person that's associated with it does not slap. And yeah. uh and like I don't know, I've been listening to that, and then I had to go on a long drive, so I listened to all oh, of Dr. Dre's 2001 again because I just felt the mood. Nice. Uh, I was watching a bunch of sample covers of it, and I was like, I have not listened to this album forever. It was like one of my high school jams. Yeah. So you know, 2001 by Dr. Dre, always great, loving it, loving it always. Oh, and then I got into Rick Astley again for some reason. Nice, I always dude. Go back and forth. Uh, you know he has a Reddit account? He does. He's very active on it. I know. Uh, he's hilarious, he's, too. <laughs> he's a really funny person. He's been getting into like a lot of covers I've seen, and I was like, you know, I like this. This is very organic. This doesn't feel like, you know, I don't know, like an Elizabeth Warren live stream <laughs> or yeah. something. And I was like, this feels like he's just like, hey, you guys want to hear my cover of Everlong? And they're like, <laughs> sweet, you know. <laughs> And that's it. Like literally, like I, I just think it's great. You know, I, I, uh, I saw him. I think there was like an AMA thread or something, and um, someone summoned him into the comments or something. And then like, uh, uh, they were like, "Rick, what do you think about this?" And he's like, "Yeah, um, uh, here you go." And then the link was a Rick roll. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, you got Rick rolled by the Rick. <laughs> like, but yeah. That, that showbiz show baby. baby perfect thanks for listening to that showbiz baby podcast your all things music business and media podcast um if you guys like this episode you can check us out on twitter uh at showbiz baby pod facebook and instagram at that showbiz baby podcast and email us at that showbiz baby podcast at gmail.com make sure to uh rate us comment uh send us anything you guys think uh you want us to talk about or anything thanks for listening